0: No chance.
1: what's up everybody episode 51 of the no chance podcast as always your host
0: ryan and nate
1: 51 episodes man how you feeling
0: good feeling good season two in the works season two guys episode one of season two
1: a lot of different things obviously for one video video one of the main things that we wanted to get done and we made it happen man we got we got nice little ambiance we got cushioned seats yeah we're living right now we've grown up since uh, our days in the library and random Jeez. studios throughout the, <laughs> those videos were rough dude years, i was man. looking i
0: was watching one the other day so bad not bad but like the production quality
1: yo we would spend hours just to try to figure out how to get the camera settings right well i mean we just spent an, a pat the past hour trying to yeah. get this right i mean too.
0: before we spent like i think like maybe good two three hours yeah. <laughs> trying to set up the equipment actually <laughs> Lighty, so. it was it was crazy. an experience man yeah.
1: but um welcome to the episode welcome to season two episode 51 yo it's a it's a big episode, man, because I feel like we have to we have to step it up a notch.
0: Yeah, season We've two. Got to step it up a notch. You know, sequels are always like, for the most part, worse the most than the original. But you know, it's can't like flop. our
1: it's our sophomore album.
0: Yeah, that's what this is, man. Season two. Okay, who had a really good sophomore album?
1: Um, Drake does. You know, the be- is the best at everything. So I think maybe Drake. Okay. Okay. No, actually, no, his first. No, you no, know, yeah, his sophomore album was way better. It was a uh, Thank Me Later turn into the one where it's like uh, a baby of him uh what's it called take care take care i think that was his sophomore album much all better right, than i'm me. with it all right so let's get into some streetwear stuff i think the first thing we want to talk about and something that we both came across is supreme and birkenstock right? yeah uh birkenstock is a brand you may or may not know of if you live in like Rural America, you probably seen or anywhere on like lot the of west people. coast, exactly. Yeah. If you live in Southern California, they're super heavy there, and like <laughs> Portland, Oregon, or like Portland, Seattle, Oregon, Washington, where it rains like 95% of the time. Yeah, so, so I don't like, even know why you guys are wearing <laughs> sandals anyway. <but laughs> why I would mean, you even need sandals, right? Shit. So, in a recent article, uh, by The Cut, basically, uh, what is it, a magazine that kind of covers like fashion, um. Yeah, I actually Terrible.
0: originally saw this on I think either High Snobiety or Hype Beast okay. or something like that. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it they just copied and like, pasted <laughs> it from some other publication <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's so we copy and paste Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and
1: refurbishing it. Um, so in in an, in an article by the cut, they basically cover, you know, Birkenstock sort of flourishing over the years from Yeah. come sandal company come 800 million dollar company right now I really
0: think, in sales that's a lot that's cr- for sandals where's a? where are they located where are they based out of i wouldn't be surprised if it was like i upper
1: northwest nor-
0: north really northwest i think i region. saw their like hq or something like somewhere over here in, in california like no northern way. california yeah i think so uh oh. i forget where i was driving back from i was driving back from a trip but i just saw like a huge birkenstock like building on the side of the road and it's just random yeah
1: that's crazy so the the article kind of goes over their processes of just like how they create sandals how they you know how their business runs it's very like nomadic if that makes sense you know just kind of like dudes with big beards and like just like super hipster vibes have you ever seen um it's a good example of a company that's closely correlated
0: like a like a toms Oh yeah, for sure. Like that type of vibe, right? Uh, What's that? um, What's the company that makes flannels? Pendleton. Pendleton. There you go. Okay, they're in the same realm of of like a
1: Pendleton. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is that as of lately, you guys all know that what is it the sandal wave is coming back or it's oh, like currently yeah. in right it's currently now currently in for sure that brand that you mentioned last time uh sweet coke the sweet japanese coke. brand we yep. saw uh, it on tyler creator was wearing it in like a yeah. m- more recent interview there's one more that's doing doing pretty well uh i don't know teva
0: there you go crocs
1: <laughs> crocs <laughs> is always doing well yeah. in certain communities uh that will go unnamed but um so this article sort of Documents the rise of Birkenstock in the past couple years, being in a, now an 800 million dollar company um, in sales. So let's not even count like is, everything else. Is that
0: even a lot? Like I don't even know what's a lot of money these days. You know? Yeah. Like is 800 million like is that chump change to other companies? Do they just laugh at that? Okay. Or like... Before we get into this, yeah. I was
1: actually listening to an interview by uh, Damon John. He's the creator and founder of FUBU. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he's on that show Shark Tank too. Oh, really? With like um, oh, Mark Cuban shit. and shit. So he's basically going over how, um, there the, the conversation started with a question asked to him is, why would somebody like Virgil, super random, why would somebody like Virgil drop what he's doing at Off White and go to Louis Vuitton? Yeah, right. So he put it in this really simplified, um, story. He basically said. When you get your clothes into like a retailer, say like a Macy's or a JC Penney's, like the big the big ones, right? Well, not so big now, but yeah, back then. Say they give you an order about a million dollars worth of apparel. Okay. That's a lot of money, right? Yeah. Now, what's the crazy thing is, is that you get a million dollars for that apparel, but for every piece that doesn't sell, you have to pay them back.
0: Okay, so basically they're just fronting you the money. Exactly. And if you can't, if they can't sell your stuff, then you have to give it exactly. back. Exactly. Okay. And so sense. when you're,
1: um, I want to say like a company like Off-White, right? Yeah. He invests so much money into that brand, right? So much money into that brand, apparel stores and all that. Yeah. He's not, if you really, really put it into perspective, he's not making that much from it. Yeah. You see Off-White sitting in a lot of places that aren't, Going on sale
0: even like East
1: Asian countries, you know they have the most of their 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 I'd say their fans yeah off white are out there Southern California maybe New York but for the rest of the United States and other places as well Europe it's not that big of a thing yeah you know like I would see more reason to jump into something like Louis Vuitton where it's pretty widely
0: accepted yeah I mean. It just reaches a broader demographic, I think. And he doesn't have to worry about trends.
1: Yeah. So he doesn't have to worry about like streetwear being out of fashion one year and then all of a sudden being back and maybe elongated hoodies and shirts aren't in. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Virgil. So it makes sense. But that's a side note. Um, So let's get into uh, this Birkenstock shit. So basically, the premise of the... Uh, the article and why we're even talking about it is that there was a hot take created by where'd you read it at high uh yeah high yeah. that basically said that Birkenstock had a potential collaboration with Supreme with Supreme yeah. Supreme and and Vetmont in this case so we'll, we'll just mention that yeah. as well. Yeah but the mainstays is, is Supreme. So they had a potential collaboration with Supreme and didn't want to go through with it <laughs> yeah my question is why and also they explained it a little bit in the article when they said um what did they say
0: uh basically the ceo of birkenstock was likening the transaction to prostitution basically what he was us to what i kind of extrapolated from that yeah and start explain. using that word from now from now on that's a good one um is that basically they didn't want to sell themselves to anybody they didn't want to sell out Namely, like Supreme, just because if you slap Supreme on anything, like, of course, it'll move. Of like, course. especially if it's a collaboration, you know? Yeah. Um, and we've seen that. Yeah, we've yeah, seen that. Sure.
1: Every collaboration that Supreme's ever done, you look at their accessories, which are always widely popularized. It's like, they did a collaboration with who? Yeah. And it, they released what? And yeah. that's always the question. But somebody's going to buy it. Yeah. You know, at the
0: end of the day, somebody's going to buy it. So, you know what the thing is, too? Just a little side note, when Supreme does a collaboration with somebody else, a lot of the times it brings that other brand to the attention of Supreme's consumers, like you're saying. Like, yeah, I don't know half the brands that Supreme collaborates with, but since they do a collaboration, I'm like, okay, who is who are these people? Like, what do they do? And it doesn't make sense maybe like 70% of the time, right? I'd say like 90% like of the time. Like 90% yeah. of
1: the time you have timer clocks you have whistles you have you have like electric bikes electric bikes motors like full-on moped motorcycles those pinball real- machines dude that one was sick yeah but i mean just in general let's sort of look a little bit into why a company like birkenstock and i'm sure there's a- other numerous companies as well that have done the same yeah why the hell would you deny
0: a collaboration with supreme oh yeah are you asking yeah. oh, oh i thought that was a rhetorical yeah, question ahead, um I think a lot of it has to do with Birkenstock, once again, like not wanting to sell out. And I think for me, if I'm Birkenstock, yes, it makes sense like financially to, you know, take this deal because you're being put on a whole another platform to like a whole consumer base that you may not even have appealed to before. Um, But also there's this thing that we talked about in a lot of other episodes, namely like the first episode the how to build your brand episode, whatever. And we always talk about this thing that like authenticity is key. And to me, like a Birkenstock Supreme collab, like Birkenstock honestly doesn't scream streetwear to me. It does not scream like 90 skate. Very true. Very true. I mean, of course, like I just said, 90% of Supreme's collabs don't make sense in general, but I think if you're looking at it from these people who are trying to reach this deal, like their perspective, um, I don't know. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to say no, or does it make sense to uh, to, to collaborate? Uh, both. It's kind of like. Well, okay, it's it's a hard question because it's like, okay, either okay, do you want to make money, yeah. or do you want to be authentic? Yeah, like, I mean, do you want to be real?
1: You have to pay the price at some point, especially yeah. in this game, right? Yeah, that's why I I kind of like how they likened it to prostitution. Yeah, because you have to whore yourself out. Yeah, exactly. Especially in your earlier stages yeah. when you're trying to become a mainstay brand and make something of yourself, it's. I got to do whatever it takes to get into the store. I don't care if I have to match a trend or, yeah. you know, make this really lame colorway. Yeah. I have to do it. As
0: ugly as that is. As, as ugly yeah. as it
1: is, and we've seen it. We've seen a lot of brands over the years catch on to trends or, you know, maybe create a whole collection based off of a fad, and that alone, you already know, that's a cash grab. Yeah. Immediately, for sure. you know like I've, they're so authentic, yet they know that they're either falling off or they yeah. don't have maybe the the stronghold of, of
0: like the consumers. Yeah, I mean that's a very commonplace thing in like the fashion industry in general, not just streetwear. Is that um, you know, a lot of the times designers brands come out with collections that are very commercial that appeal to yeah like the average consumer, not a specific group, but to everybody. And yeah, that's great. Sometimes it's done under the guise of like being more democratic but i mean <laughs> at the end of the day a business is a business and a business needs to do one thing and that's make, make money. money exactly and
1: that's that was a good point that you just said is is the making money part because an, a lot of people don't understand people's motives when jumping into this game right yeah. a, the streetwear game and if you had, if you listen to um there's an interview i listened to with um, the chinatown market creator uh, what's his name one more do you know his name no, it's at the top of my head. Um, anyways, the the guy that basically started the brand is, uh, of Chinatown Market, um, really big brand right now. It's literally in every Zoomies, every Urban Outfitters. And he re- received a lot of flack for that, yeah. right? It's, you know, you're a streetwear brand. You love streetwear. You're, you're, you're so rooted in streetwear. Why would you sell out? Yeah. Right? And he basically explains, it's like, I didn't come into this game to, you know, express ideas or... Yeah create a movement i came in here to make money yeah you know and which
0: is like as ugly as that it not ugly but like as much as people don't like that notion like it's it's totally valid and it's hard to hate on it yeah exactly
1: it's hard to hate on it because knowing us in that same position as much as we love to talk about streetwear as much as we love to own a brand yeah we have to eat at the end of the day it's very true you know true but what's crazy is that when you get to a certain level of making money, especially within streetwear, you start to revert back to your roots of like, I'm not doing this for the money as much anymore. Yeah, I'm doing this to, you know, for the movement, yeah. for the people, and yeah. you know, that's when you, you know, you already have the mansion yeah. and everyone all that gets, shit. You know, everyone gets real,
0: <laughs> real humble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, real after, you know, when they, they get to that point, get a few
1: mil. But so let, let's let's chop this up a little bit more and and basically from our own perspectives, if you were Birkenstock, right. Yeah sort of think about the the thought processes of like, of being in that situation where Supreme approaches you, right? What are your first initial
0: thoughts? Um, holy shit. First of all, like out of all companies, I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't be surprised. Like I said before, I'll mention it for the third time. Supreme collaborates with anybody and everybody. So um, it's not unlike them to collaborate with a random brand that may be completely unrelated to the uh, to themselves. Um, I think that would be my first initial reaction. And then my second reaction would be to ask the question, like you asked me earlier, is why, like, why do they want to do a collaboration? Um, I think that's an important question to ask too. Whenever two brands are collaborating, like we, we were talking about earlier, we we're talking about Bape and how they just, yeah, they just uh, whore,
1: literally whores, <laughs> yeah. like the sluttiest brand <laughs> yeah. in the streetwear industry. They will collaborate
0: with anybody. They'd probably collaborate collaborate with us if they really wanted they to. They probably would. Yeah. Maybe if, if if I looked a little
1: bit more Japanese yeah. or something. <laughs> but very good point because, like I said, I love the way that he used the it used the term like prostitution. Yeah. Because it perfectly embodies what it is that they would basically. Participate be participating in right. Yeah, it's not like literal prostitution
0: like yeah, no, 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 you know It's like not
1: that James Jebbia and the Birkenstock guy aren't yeah. Yeah, they're not doing that but I mean if I was Birkenstock right yeah. and Supreme came to me and asked me Hey, let's do a collaboration. I'd say hell. Yeah, right okay. because I have nothing to lose I don't have we all have mission statements as, as companies, as brands. There's, I'm sure there's shareholders that have like certain inputs on where they want the brand to go and then the, the vision. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that same demographic that is buying Supreme is buying Birkenstocks as well. Are they? Are they though? That's I would say, okay. Demographic in terms of age, I'd say about the same ages. Oh yeah, for sure. I agree. I'd say demographics in terms of like regions, maybe you know, more of like more hip, um, maybe kind of in tune with fashion. Yeah, I maybe agree. around there. I agree with those points. Um, so I would say like they have the same demographics in mind. I just don't see, I don't see the no. You know, yeah. I don't see why they would deny this collaboration.
0: Yeah. Does it make sense? I mean, from a it depends from which lens you're looking at it with. Um, so if you're looking at it through the ethical lens, then it's a no. But if you're looking at it from a business perspective, then it's a, it's a fuck yeah. Okay,
1: let me let me let me try to put the ethical hat on it, and, and let me see. You're not very good at that, so <laughs> let's see how that goes. Yeah, go let ahead. me see how this works. So I'm a brand yeah. that already has been established for a pretty long time, right? To be honest, nobody was talking about my brand for maybe the past five to ten years. We might have been on a slight decline, maybe even like averaged out, right? I mean, how many pairs of sandals does one person need? Probably it's true. Probably not a lot. Once the sandal wave hits, you know...
0: Well, okay, well, let me just... Oh, if ahead. you're from like a colored household, it's like one pair to wear and then one pair to like hit your children with. So, <laughs> or barbecue with? Yeah, or barbecue <laughs> with. So there's multiple pairs needed if you're from a... A POC household. I just want to. That makes sense. My my parents have multiple pairs.
1: Yes, that imprint. (laughs) (laughs) That imprint's crazy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about it. They asked me. I already have my brand, and this is the thing that kind of pisses me off. Is with a and we've talked talked about a lot of controversies, right? We talked about the Kendall Jenner was that Coke, Pepsi, Pepsi, the Pepsi, yeah, the Pepsi one. We talked about there was one with. Oh, we talked about it in an episode. It might have been like a Subway one, but there have been numerous controversies that if there was a person that understood the the wider culture, yeah, they would get it, right. So if I had a person that worked for Birkenstocks that was relatively fashionable, relatively into maybe streetwear or high fashion, they would understand that this collaboration. Probably comes around once in a lifetime. Yeah. Like you're
0: not gonna get a second chance to do this. You don't say
1: no to Supreme. Yeah. You know, they are your entryway into the hype beast realm. Yeah. That not a lot of people can offer, you know?
0: It's crazy. It's like the uh it's like in the movies where like the person wants to like get like a good job, so the boss is like, All right, well what are you gonna do for me? <laughs> it's basically that that scene.
1: I mean if you if you think weirdly then I mean you're probably not gonna go through with it, but if you're thinking about the benefit of your own self then yeah you might get on your knees and do something about it <laughs> but i mean i mean let's just be realistic here because as a brand you you have you need to satisfy certain things right there's so many facets of this collaboration that like it's like an unlimited amount of possibilities that's true like Collaborating with Supreme is like wearing the fucking infinity gauntlet and the Avengers. Like you can make whatever you want happen yeah. after that. Think yeah. about all of the, the influencers that are gonna wear Birkenstocks. Yeah, probably a, a model that you've been making for the past thirty years, yeah. and then now rappers are wearing it, and they're in music. They're like in that space of like hip just hop pop and culture and cult- general. Pop culture. Yeah. Now it is yeah. right. Supreme used to just be predominantly like punk and hip hop, but now yeah. it's like straight up everything everything yeah. which is crazy so like look at the collaboration with louis vuitton right because that wasn't supposed to happen that yeah. should have never happened and i could imagine somebody in louis vuitton being having that same mentality of being like uh peasants you know like why should we be collaborating with this these these streetwear knaves? you know yeah. what i mean like what's the point there's nothing for us we're already bigger than them whatever but they understood that if we do this collaboration, we get these people. It may be like we're like a small, small chunk of people, but we have a lot of buying power. Yeah. And it's very relevant. I know your buying habits it's pretty ridiculous. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. So I wouldn't I, say that. We have our age a group of millennials have a crazy buying spending power. So, yeah. That's something that I feel like that they missed out on. Yeah, in this I mean, one.
0: like we talked about before, it's very important to like tap into that that group because I think we did. We talk about this in an episode. We talked about just like the buying power of like yeah. people are art. I in think our it was range. just about millennials. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about just the spending habits of millennials and what that's like. Um And millennials are really driving like Everything. the retail industry. If you think about it, they're the ones buying. Yep. Um, even selling buying and selling yeah exactly so they're the ones kind of driving this like streetwear fashion um thing forward if you will so yeah. i mean in that regard yes it makes no sense for them to you know say no wait was that a double net no <laughs> sense for them to say no that makes you know. sense okay that yeah, makes yeah, sense. yeah there you go
1: but i could i could understand that that the part where you're coming from is like if you want to maintain your values, you're, if you want to remain lame... Oh, I mean, that's not my view. That's, no, I mean, like, you, I'm, the way you
0: expressed it, I was like, oh, okay, I got oh, I'm, it now. I'm getting money. Yeah. <laughs> Come in the Yo, know, you know, we're selling out super yeah. quick. If anybody Sup- offers... Oh, Supreme? Yeah, where do I sign?
1: Rock, P. Diddy, yeah. you want to offer us a fucking deal? Come yeah. at it. Yo, Ho, we need Duce. <laughs> we need Duce. We'll have a an Apple Music subscription and title, and we'll, <laughs> <laughs> just because they're paying us, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> oh my god! Shit. But yeah, so but that's a good point. So let's let's change gears here and let's talk about something else. Um, and this is something that I don't know why was so prevalent on our timelines. You know, a, we have a lot of friends, right? We worked at with with. <laughs> we have a few friends. Yeah, good. <laughs> we have friends that we worked with in retail, yes. right? Particularly Nike. Yeah, and a lot of them decided to one day just post this article um, talking about. It's a hype Bay article talking about women sizing in. Uh, Would you say like sneakerhead culture? Uh
0: yeah 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 yes yeah. yeah? uh that's it's been a thing it's been like an issue um that women and just people in general have kind of brought up in the past and just throughout, you know, the prevalence of sneaker cultures that that uh, women's sizing isn't very much available, especially for, like, the more coveted items. Like, for instance, I don't know, name any, like, rare release. Like, Off-White, for that didn't come year. in women's sizes, did it? That's true. It came in men's sizes only, yeah.
1: I think the smallest
0: sizes that they usually release is, like, a men's six or six and a half, probably six and a half. I remember when we used to work there, the small size in releases is probably like a men's seven, yeah, so it's like a women's eight and a half, yeah, I think, but I think they're
1: understanding I think brands like I think they're just speaking in Nike in this sense. it yeah. maybe adidas, yeah, but I think they're really speaking to this idea of like. Where the why aren't we included yeah right and obviously that sucks because we had an episode where we talked about the inclusion of women in streetwear yeah and how more often than not there's some of the biggest influencers in streetwear they influence you would you wouldn't even expect them to be the ones that influence some of your favorite people like Kanye West or Virgil and and stuff like that right so when it comes to brands and I think they're slowly getting there you know like Newer releases are coming in maybe like a five and a half, maybe a six, right? They're like, they're hovering around the idea of making shoes for women. But the biggest question is, why do you have, why do brands have to release women collections or women, like quick strikes, if that makes sense? Are you talking about like just collections specifically for women? either specifically for women or, like, designed specifically geared towards women?
0: Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, again, trying to, like, bridge that gap, that divide. Um, Especially, like, in the streetwear, like, sneaker community, uh, there is kind of a divide between men's and women's. uh, Just because, like, as much as it sucks, like, men get all the releases, like, they get all the shit. Like, it's more accessible to them. And I think brands are trying to give women like their own sort of like platform in the game, in the culture. Um, But sometimes it's done really poorly. That's
1: true. Because,
0: you know, not every woman's taste is the same. Sometimes women like to wear stuff that's, you know, predominantly meant for men. Sometimes it's the opposite. Um, So I think it's, it's, it's definitely an issue of like inclusivity and trying to be inclusive of everybody. But I think it has to be, done in a way where it's like it makes sense you yeah know? yeah I you think can't, it, I, to me it's like you can't just give women a collection and just be like oh here it is there you go and have it just be like a whatever collection <laughs> like oh at least you get a collection you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah it's kind sense. of like half-assed yeah
1: exactly I guess the biggest complaint with women's collections is that it's just it's too it's too girly and that's yeah. like one of the things that girls hate is things that are just too girly, yeah. especially if they already are already fans of, you know, just men's shoes. Yeah. I wouldn't even call it men's shoes. I would just call them shoes, right? Yeah. There's shoes and then there's women's styles. Yeah. And I don't know why that, that that is a divide, but for some reason brands think, and I think we talked about this in the Christina Pack episode, how she was hating super hard about, you know, We just want to wear what the men wear, right? But not all girls think like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's some girls that love those really girly silhouettes and and colorways and all that stuff, love the pink and glitter and and shit. And that's fine, right? But sooner or later, that balance has to come out of it, Yeah, you know? And I don't think we're seeing it
0: just yet. No, I don't think so. Um, I know Nike just did a collection recently. Well, not recently, probably within the past year or so. They did that whole... um, It was just, like, the sportswear collection, like, geared specifically toward women. They did, like, a bunch of, like, Air Force Ones and, like, Jordan Ones, stuff like that, and, like, a whole apparel collection. Like, yeah, that stuff was cool, but I heard from a lot of people, a lot of women specifically complaining that, you know, we don't want this new stuff. Like, yeah, it's cool, but how about just give us the same stuff that the guys get, but just in our size? Yeah. Like... Like I was saying earlier, like if you're just gonna give us a half assed collection, just so you can you think you can please us, um, then what's the point? it's not yeah. Dude
1: Okay. This this one just came across my mind. Yeah. And I'm starting to understand that our little bubble of like girls are upset about streetwear and like men's sizing and shit. We're such a minority in the larger stake of people buying shit that like in general? In general, yeah. right? Because we worked retail and we may come across two or three people a day that are just like super influenced in streetwear and fashion. Then they're like, hey, I want this shoe, but it's a men's shoe. Do you, what's, what's the smallest size you have, right? But every other girl may be like... 99 out of 100 girls are like, "Hey, I just want this women's shoe." Like, "Oh, this is all you have for women?" It's like, "Okay." Yeah. It's not like I'm tr- they're trying to reach for something that they can't have. Maybe that has to do something with with fashion and taste. Yeah. Which has them exposed to other things and how other things could be worn. Yeah. But maybe people are like other women that just aren't aware of that that fashion dressing up space that they just they just work with what they got or work with what
0: they're offered. But I think that's the issue for a lot of people. It's that it's not about appealing just to that specific woman that wants a specific style. It's having it be accessible to everybody, whether they're interested in it or not, you know, like for instance, like, okay, say, let's say we go to a shoe store, you know, and we pick out a shoe nine times out of 10. I would say that they're going to have a men's size in it. Right. Of course, no matter what the style is. If a woman goes into the store, she picks out a shoe. She has a lot lower of a chance of finding that shoe in her size. But yeah. Depending on the style. Definitely. Um, Because, you know, a lot of the times, like, some sneakers aren't marketed specifically to women. You know? I don't know. It's just, it's less about catering to one specific group uh, as opposed to, like, including everybody. All women, of like all interests and backgrounds or whatever but that's
1: the thing that gets me is if the concept is to please the masses yeah right the same way that i mean look at it like this and it's it's going to sound really really ridiculous but look at the brand band-aid yeah right and look at the color of the band-aid yeah that's not geared for people of color like i was gonna say like like me and you yeah but just in general like it's not meant for everybody just for the majority and if we put Demographics into statistics, then you see that the majority may match that band aid color, which True. is why they're that color, yeah. right? But then with shoes, which is something that everybody wears, women included, why wouldn't there just be like one? I was gonna say just one shoe, <laughs> like like yeah. everybody wears Air Forces. They yeah. come in everybody sizes, toddlers to grown adults, and that's it. That's the solution. Yeah, one shoe, one color. We're just gonna be all gray blobs yeah. <laughs> in this
0: colorless world. Like that world. one episode of um, it was a Fairly parents. Odd Parents. Yeah. He's like, I just want to, I
1: want everybody to be the same. Yeah, and everyone's like a green, like a gray blob. And then even his hat is like gray. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and that's the part that gets me is if the goal for them is to make shoes for the masses, and they think about the demographics of, okay, like who are the people that buy shit the most? Yeah. Who wears the most shoes? Who owns the most shoes who who plays in these shoes right yeah. if they're basketball shoes who plays basketball what percentage of people play basketball what percentage of people wear own more than 10 pairs of shoes and i think that number in like owning shoes is like swaying between like girls and guys nowadays oh, I feel for like sure. girls have less shoes guys have more shoes and um all this goes into account in why they make the size that they make yeah i mean of course it sucks
0: yeah it goes back to looking at it from a business perspective of course because you know at the end of the day a company's bottom line is what they're most worried about yes um yeah they might be worried about who's being included who's not but at the end of the day it's more about who are we making more money off of these people or these people
1: good point you know
0: Um, so looking at it from that lens, it makes sense because obviously like it takes money to produce these things that you're going to sell. And if you produce, let's say like a hundred women's shoes and only five women are buying them, then that's 95, you know, you lost out on 95% of the sales for that product. Exactly. So why are you going to waste that money? I mean, yeah, it's, it sucks because, you know, not having that product at all. You know, it like it th- those five people that bought those shoes or were going to buy those shoes lose out, of course. And it looks bad. Sucks. It looks yeah. bad on the company. Looks yeah. bad on
1: the store. And we've worked retail, and we know that if a certain style doesn't sell, yeah, then they give us less next time. Yeah. So, if it is a women's shoe and it doesn't sell, then they have left less, less choices, and then you have to wait until a new silhouette comes out or a new yeah. colorway comes out. And I think that's where women are getting, you know, ripped off in that sense is because yeah. they, like, fashionable, like, stylish women do not make up the majority of all women that buy shoes. Like, streetwear-minded no comment. women yeah. aren't the ones that, like, aren't the majority of women. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would yeah. 100% agree. And I think that uh, plays a crazy role into why these things don't show up, which... It sucks. I mean, it's...
0: Because my girl
1: don't got shoes now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bottom line is it's a numbers game. It is. Know? It's a numbers game. And it's a sad world yeah. because
1: in in the mid-2000s, Nelly was wearing a new pair of Air Forces every day. Yeah. He would not wear the same pair for more than a day. Ridiculous. So how many pairs is that? That's a lot that's of pairs. That's
0: 365 a year. In a year. Multiply that by like $90. $90. Jesus Christ. That's That's a lot of shoes. Yeah.
1: And that's why they make so many. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, let's get into a different topic. That was, that was a stressful one. Sorry, yeah. ladies. Well, we, when we wait, when
0: we make merch and we make shoes at some point in our lives, we probably won't have women's sizes because we don't really have much in terms of funding, but and we uh,
1: don't have much in terms of followers or listeners either. So that's true.
0: So, I mean, it's our market. It's a, a lose, little lose <laughs> for everybody, <laughs> I guess.
1: But if it gets to that point, you bet we'll make them. You bet we'll make them. All right. No, f- no frivolous. Pink. None of those colorways. like colorways. None of those
0: like gross like women's V-neck tees that like come in at the sides. Oh no, n- not at all. And then like have a really deep V. No. No, you guys are getting champion tees.
1: Oh damn, what the hell? Just kidding. Probably Gildan.
0: Yeah. Actually, <laughs> probably not even Gildan. Probably some like random. Yeah, I want to yeah. yeah. we we get, get into that. Yeah. We got to get into that. I know yeah. a lot of people listening are
1: excited about merchandise. Um, excited about other things we have to offer, other yeah. than just talking. On a podcast, I know you guys are
0: probably sick of like listening to us and are looking. We got it. We got a lot for you guys,
1: man. I hate I hate the term coming soon. Yeah, I hate that term.
0: Soon is very subjective, though. Soon could mean a lot of things. Soon means like years. Give it like another year or so. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to. I just want to hit them right
1: over the head with it. Yeah, drop it. Surprise! Surprise! There you go. Never sells out. Yeah,
0: (laughs) sells one shirt.
1: But like to to that point, to the merchandise point. We were talking a lot about how we wanted to do stuff with like, you know, the brands that we love, like Dickies, Carhartt, right? The the more workwear brands and sort of came across another article, which is, you know, is what sources a lot of the material on this podcast (laughs) is we like to read. And within this article, it's basically saying that Carhartt, Dickies, um, what's the other one with the monkey? Ben Davis. Ben Davis. That one's a key one. We're not going to. We're not gonna say anything about that one. Founded in San Francisco. But Dickies and Carhartt are now some of the biggest brands, not in just fashion, but just like in general culture and public now. Yeah. You may not see it to those listening, but I'm wearing Dickies right now. I'm not. But (laughs) these like these pieces of clothing, like they are they are the shit now. Like they are in. Yeah. And we talked about in in literally the first episode where we talked about some of our favorite brands and how we got affiliated with that stuff. It's crazy to see like the trajectory and we called it, we for sure called it the the trajectory of where these brands are now today. Yeah. Which is fucking ridiculous. I think it's,
0: you know, workwear is definitely a big trend, especially in cities like San Francisco, New York, LA, you know, cities where workwear has always been like a traditional uniform for, um, obviously like the working class person of course um i think like we talked about before just appeals to a lot of different people people who skate people who do all kinds of other shit like actually work yeah. uh, <laughs> hence the
1: workwear yeah uh
0: one because it's affordable two because it's going to last you extremely a long time extremely affordable yeah and three because it's timeless like you're seeing the same silhouettes from the past hundred years you know like nothing has changed
1: definitely agreed yeah and i'd say that the two biggest points that you mentioned was uh, it's affordability and what was the other one durability durability yeah and that was the biggest thing that they had mentioned in the article and it actually makes a lot of sense in in why we dress the way we dress is because nowadays and we've seen the trend or it's not really a trend it's more of a lifestyle it's I'm tired of being cooped up in my clothes. Yeah, I want to be comfortable, but I also want to be stylish. So, what brands offer comfy and stylish for a reasonable, reasonable price? And that's what we look for. We look for reasonable prices. Yeah, it's, I'm not made out of money. We're okay. definitely, we're definitely not.
0: I can be though if you'd <laughs> like to donate.
1: So, in this case, people want. I would say, like, my number one thing, aside from price, I think price is, like, important to a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, well, my number two thing is being comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's why I gravitate towards, you know, Carhartt and Dickies is because they offer, you know, kind of baggier sizes. It's just, it's designed to articulate to like certain body parts so it's like if you like if you're wearing dickies and say you like get on one knee or something maybe you're going to propose to your girl <laughs>
0: i'm not proposing my girl to dickies <laughs> <laughs> maybe actually i maybe, don't know we'll
1: see maybe your your pants are meant for that it's meant for the working man so yeah. it's obviously going to be more comfortable more durable and obviously the working man i don't know sometimes you know you kinda, money is tight you know the wor- the working man struggles. Yeah, you know, and I feel that. working man needs some 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 nice cloth. Yeah, spend a little bit of money on it. I think Dickies are what like twenty dollars.
0: My well thirty two dollars. Twenty bucks if you get them online because they're yes. always on sale for some reason. Yes, my dumbass goes to the surplus store <laughs> and spends thirty on them. It's so. okay, you
1: get them instantly. It's all yeah. good. But I think nowadays, I th- it, it, it it is a thing, and it's great to see it because. I mean, that's something that we like to see. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not going to shade anybody for wearing it that isn't like a construction worker or a skateboarder.
0: You know, I, uh, my girl was actually my girlfriend was actually telling me a story and she had this regular at work and he was actually, you know, I don't, he wasn't in construction, but he was like some sort of trade, like he's a carpenter or something like that. Okay. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I don't really like this work wear trend. Like I actually have to wear this stuff for work and sometimes I don't want to wear it, you know, but people are wearing it for just like fashion yeah. just for fashion i guess Like that was somewhere along the lines of like what he said
1: i could imagine that yeah. i could imagine people being somewhat upset by by the trend because i guess if, as a skateboarder and you see somebody wear skateboarding clothes it's kind of like oh you skate and it's like yeah no but then when you grow up you start to realize that people just appreciate shit yeah and i think that's a that's a great a great thing for the culture it's everything. like
0: those memes where it's like oh you like such and such name five of their albums yeah <laughs> it's I, I remember i saw like a father's day when i was like oh you love your dad name five of his albums <laughs> that, i
1: mean i mean just just by the tell of that guy he seems
0: like a bitter old guy
1: not not no yeah i mean just in general
0: like his d- i've, I've never seen him in person but like his demeanor says the, like i'm 60 i've been working in, I've been a plumber like for the past thirty years. It's
1: like it's like seeing a war veteran. Get off my lawn. And like i <laughs> dude. It's like seeing a war veteran like point at somebody with like some camo fatigues on and yeah. be like, you didn't spend nine years in Iraq. You don't deserve to wear Sto- those. <laughs> Stolen valor <laughs> <laughs> You don't deserve that. You have no stripes. Yeah. Oh man, I could imagine that though. I could imagine that. So I'd say like if you're gonna wear workwear man, put in the word.
0: Yeah. Man. Or at least get a job take a
1: have a job if you're gonna wear workwear <laughs> yeah. have a job yeah Can please you be wearing workwear with uh, on uh with unemployed can't do that i mean <laughs> can't do that for sure man oh man oh <laughs> shit um but i love i love where it's going it's awesome i hope it doesn't sell out now yeah i know it's already it's it's not hard enough to find it but i could imagine for those Forty-year-old working man to go into like
0: a surplus store and be like, "Why the fuck is
1: everything sold out?" Well, okay.
0: To be fair, they're buying like thirty-six size waists. Yeah, that's true. Because they're like fifty and they've been drinking. They (laughs) just pound like twelve packs of Budweiser when they get home. Yo,
1: construction workers are some of the most gnarly dudes. Like, it'll. I'll go to work at like eight thirty, right? Yeah. They'll be in the pizza spot already eating like a like a full pizza. Yeah. Like drinking beer, and I'm like, what what time is it? Like. Your guys' schedule is dinner time.
0: So what time do they usually start? Like midnight? If you're working graveyard, you're working like 11, dude.
1: That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, man. The working man's a sucker. So that's why we're trying to find other endeavors through this podcast, man. And I think it's a great place to end it. We've been talking for a little bit. We got this video coming for you guys. So. I mean, we're trying to do our best, man. We're trying yeah. to stay up with the times. We're trying to we're trying to stay relevant.
0: I yeah, think that's the hardest thing to do. In we're this getting there. Age. Ryan literally texted me. He said, "We're not falling off," and I was like, "Okay, <laughs>
1: like the, uh,
0: sure, <laughs> all right, that works." Yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening to episode 51. I know a lot of you listened to episode 50. Literally, three almost over 300 in in less than a week.
0: Whoa, that's pretty good, actually. That's crazy, right? That, that's that's a
1: standards. it's a great. Great number. Yeah. And we're you know, we're still we still in shit. We know it. Yeah. But we appreciate all the support and uh thank you guys for sticking with us. And that is episode 51. do You got any last last words for um, the gang
0: before we uh just thank you guys. Season two. Getting off to a great start. I think that's a pretty good episode. Season two, man. Season two. Um good. Yeah, yeah. All right, all good. man. We're cutting Thanks, out. Guys. It's late. Um, thank you guys for listening. We'll
1: catch you next week. Peace. Peace.